The official off-season State of the Indians address. I'm Bensi Gisser, and this is World of Baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 11 of World of Baseball and sub-episode number two of the State of the Indians address. This new patented State of the Indians sub-series of the World of Baseball podcast. It's not actually patented. I just said that. But this is the series that I love doing. This is the second episode of this series where I talk about the State of the Cleveland Indians. On this episode, is going to be the official off-season rundown episode. We're going to talk about guys that can help the Indians this coming season, what they need to do to improve their lineup and potentially return to the playoffs, something that they did not do this year, and a few prospects who are on the way. We're going to be going through their farm system. We're going to be looking at a couple guys who can really make a big impact in the future for this ball club. Okay, so we're just going to go ahead and get started with that. As I mentioned in all my podcasts, World of Baseball now has a Gmail address, worldofbaseballpodcast at gmail.com, as well as a website in development, but that's for a later time. So please email your fan suggestions in. Last week we had a great episode of Fan Suggestion. It was a really enjoyable episode with a guest of mine. If you haven't listened to that podcast, check it out. It's going to be applicable to the whole offseason, so it's a pretty good show, pretty interesting listen. So please go ahead and check that podcast out as well fan suggestions please send them in send them into the world of baseball gmail account find world of baseball on twitter you guys can follow us it's going to be a pretty epic run we're going to try and get you guys through the off season the baseball drought has begun there's much information out there to keep us entertained over the course of the off season and before you know it it's going to be spring again and we'll be seeing baseball players spring training and it's all going to resume big time but that this podcast is continuing through the summer and it starts right here with the state of the indians off-season address. Let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about the Cleveland Indians and what they have to do for the off-season. So if you look at the Indians roster right now, you'll notice a pretty solid rotation, some decent hitting, uh, a pretty good bullpen that like returned to its good status from last year where it was really bad. But the bullpen was pretty all right this year. And yeah, so they, they, had a, they had a pretty good season. The team that won, I believe, 93 games. Yeah, they went 93-69 and 69 and did not make the playoffs. They got usurped from the wild-card spot by the Tampa Bay Rays and they kind of fell off towards the end of the season and had a pretty disappointing end of the year. But we're going to be talking about guys that are leaving, starting with Yasiel Pui. He was required, acquired halfway through the season from the Cincinnati Reds and he did a great job in the cleanup spot Excuse me for the Cleveland Indians, but he is a free agent this year, which means he will likely elect into free agency, though he has stated that he loves playing in Cleveland and that he enjoyed it tremendously. They could use his help, and the Indians should consider re-signing him, but the chances of that are pretty unlikely. So I think Yasiel Puig ends up leaving, and the Indians look to their farm system for another option in the outfield. A few more guys are going to be off. Jason Kipnis, team option, was declined. Sadly, my favorite player's got to go. He had an unproductive year last year, and we'll see if he signs somewhere else. Hopefully, Paremi finds a nice veteran contract on a team and hopefully does really well in the future of his career, but he will likely not be an Indian last year unless they can't somehow find another second or third baseman to pick up in free agency and they have to bring him back, which would be very, very unlikely and very surprising to me, knowing that the Indians are pretty good at finding low-cost options to improve their lineup. So Kipnis is likely not going to be back. Dan Otero as well hit the free agency market. Four Indians flux guys, like flux guys who kind of fluctuate between the minor league and the major leagues opted into free agency AJ Cole being one of them I can't really remember who else opted in I'm going to try and think about it but I'll get back to that so I know AJ Cole 
is officially leaving the Indians. Tyler Olson, I believe, is another one of those guys who who played a tiny bit on the Indians this year, spent most of his time in the minor leagues this year and last year. Two years ago, he was such a dominant pitcher from the left side. I think he went like 26 innings without giving up any runs or something like that. He had a phenomenal stretch, but it all kind of went downhill from there. For Tyler Olsen, he spent a lot of times in the minor leagues, and he is not going to be on the Cleveland Indians 40-man next year. So that's pretty disappointing. I kind of like Tyler Olsen, but obviously, if he's not performing, he has to go. So the Indians are looking at a pretty interesting situation next year. They're looking at a situation where you don't even know if shortstop's locked down. You would think that Francisco Lindor is not going to get traded, but there's been rumors around the Dodgers and the Yankees trying to acquire Francisco Lindor, and you'd think with a superstar caliber like him, they wouldn't want to give him away. But if they can get the right return, it's very possible that Francisco Lindor won't be an Indian next year. And yes, there is a lot of minor league options, and they could go out and make a trade for another shortstop, but you cannot, in my opinion, you can't trade away a franchise player like Lindor. You have to throw money at him. He's doing insane things for the city of Cleveland and for the team. Now, they really, really got to keep him. So I think Lindor should hopefully be a lock at shortstop next year. I don't think he'll go anywhere eventually. I think the Indians are going to hold on for a year. I'll be pretty surprised. First base, Santana's got another year of his deal, so he'll be at first next year. Returned to Cleveland, had a great time this season, played really well. He was in the All-Star game, surprised everyone. He will be playing at first next year. Bebo, Roberto Perez just won the gold glove. Also, congratulations to Roberto Perez and Francisco Lindor for winning their respective gold gloves at the shortstop and catcher positions. Pretty good. Roberto Perez, leader in defensive run saves this year, so there's no surprises there that he easily won that award as a catcher. He could be a Platinum Glove Award winner this year as well. We'll see if that happens. So Roberto Perez, he'll be behind the plate next year. We don't know who's going to play second base, but it could be that the Indians might require a low-cost third baseman. I don't really have any idea as to who they would acquire. It'd probably be a low-cost option, a major league, minor league flex player, or there could be this epic battle, which I really want to see happen, uh, from the in-farm system guys. You have Max Moroff, who could play third. You have you have um, who Christian Arroyo, who can play third. You've got Mark Mathias, you've got Yu Chang, you've got four guys who can play third base pretty effectively, and they're all going to be battling for a spot on that roster to begin next year. If I had to choose between one of them, because Ramirez is going to move, okay, context, Ramirez is going to move across, he's going to play second base, so that middle infield is going to look like, hopefully, Ramirez and Lindor, which would be epic to see. But... The, the four-way battle between those guys, I have no idea to which way it would lean. I would hope Yu Chang because he's one of my favorite players in the minor league. But if they don't go and acquire a second baseman or a, th- or a, or a third baseman in the offseason, they're likely going to have one of those four guys playing in that position. Maybe later in the year you'd see the Indians' top prospect, who I'll talk about later, Nolan Jones, come up. But that doesn't seem like likely. I don't think he's going to break the 40-man roster. Um, with the Cleveland Indians to come out of spring training. I think Yu Chang, if they don't go and acquire someone, will be in that position. Outfield, you know you know who the locks are and who aren't the locks. You know Oscar Mercado is going to get another chance in center. You know Naquin and Franmo Reyes will probably share time in right. They're going to try and make Franmo Reyes into a right fielder, even though I like him much better at the DH position. Jake Bowers likely will return, even though he had a pretty disappointing year. We'll see. Maybe Greg Allen gets a chance. The 26-year-old Greg Allen may get a chance to compete for a starting spot. Bradley Zimmer, obviously. There's a lot of outfielders in the mix. Jordan Luplo, 
another big outfielder who will get some serious time, if not a platoon player. They want Jordan Luplo crushed lefties this year, so they kind of like playing him against lefties only. But he might, they might give him a chance to face righties also and see if he really is all that he's hyped up to be against both sides of the plate. So yeah, pretty big mix of outfielders. I think Zimmer might likely spend a year in the minor leagues again. Or most of the year, at least. I don't think he has a chance to crack the opening day roster. But it's, that's just, this is all assuming they don't re-sign Yasiel Puig. That would shift a lot of things up. I think Naquin returns. Fran Mil Reyes will probably return on the DH spot. So a little bit of roster fluctuation. We're going to see them hopefully, hopefully get a second or third baseman in free agency to help. Or maybe through a trade to help bolster their lineup and provide a viable defensive option in the wake of Jason Kipnis being declined his option we're going to move on to the starting rotation now this rotation was one of the best in baseball even though they did not have their 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 biggest guys Kluber and Carrasco for almost the whole year and when Carrasco did return from his leukemia battle he was pitching out of the bullpen they relied on Aaron Savali they relied on Adam Plutko and they relied on Zach Plezak two guys who are three all three guys who are basically minor leaguers to come up and do to do a job, and Zach Plezak did exactly that, Aaron Savali did exactly that, Adam Plutko, one of the most underrated guys on the Indians, finished with an ERA of, I believe, 4.86, and even though that's not the greatest ERA, he was an innings eater, he came in and got the job done when they needed him, Jeffrey Rodriguez was supposed to be a healthy rotation arm for the whole year, didn't pan out that way, he ended up finishing the year pretty injured, and we'll see if he can compete for a rotation spot next year, but it's unlikely with the way Plezak and Savali pitched this year. I think the Indians' rotation is going to look pretty similar. It'll be Shane Bieber, likely than the one, Clevenger, a budding ace, Kluber, since they kept his option, he'll go third. Uh, either Plezak... Maybe Carrasco sticks to the bullpen, but I feel like they're going to throw him back in as a starter. How could you not throw Carlos back once he's fully back to his full strength and everything's working for him? And either Plezak or Zavali will probably pitch out of the bullpen for the Indians, which will help them in the long run. So hopefully that will be their rotation next year. Adam Plucko's on the fringe, and he's out of minor league options, so it's pretty it's pretty possible that they might either trade him, let him go, or outright into the minor leagues. I don't really understand how the process works that much, but... Hopefully we see Adam Pluck go back because I really like the guy. I think he did a good job with the Indians this year. But we'll see what happens. Adam Pluck might be on the fringe and he might be heading out of Cleveland as well. You look at that bullpen this year. It was Brad Hand who I don't know if he has a year left on his contract. I don't know if he's a free agent this year or if he is uh, or if he has another year of contract. Regardless, he had a great first half, a terrible second half. If he is ending up staying in Cleveland... Um, good for him. Hopefully he can figure out his issues and come back and pitch in the bullpen. Tyler Clippard's got another year, and in my opinion, the most underrated guy in the bullpen. He had a 290 ERA, which is really, really solid. He was he had one win, zero losses, he pitched 62 innings, came back from injury, and did a really good job. Nick Wickerin as well, 281 ERA. These are ERAs under three for guys that were not expected to do anything. So the bullpen was pretty good this year. You look at you look at their guys. Oliver Perez, obviously 3.98, pretty solid ERA. Adam Simber, a little bit up there, 4.45, but he was good at getting outs when they needed it. A lot of guys in the back end. Oh, I forgot to mention one of the guys I was thinking about, Cody Anderson, also left this year. You're going to see James Karinchak, the super curveball all-star guy, Mr. Strikeout, come up and pitch in the bullpen next year, almost guaranteed. He'll be there for the full year. You'll see probably Savali. You'll probably see Jeffrey Rodriguez 
as well, Nick Goody. Those guys are going to be in the mix. I think they're going to trade or release Neil Ramirez, Hunter Wood, Phil Maton. These are guys that you might see around. We're looking like we're going to look at prospects also soon, so I'll tell you some guys that could potentially be in that bullpen or as starters as prospect. There's a lot of pitching depth with the Cleveland Indians. Pitching looks really, really solid for next year. I'm excited to see if their bullpen can replenish itself as the bullpen of three years ago and their starting rotation, obviously, as well. Already did a great job. Shane Bieber turning into an ace. Would not is not in the Cy Young conversation anymore, but was for majority of the year. He had a great year. Clevenger spent most of the year injured, but when he came back, he still managed to pitch 106 in, 126 innings and had a great ERA of 2.71 throughout that time. Very not susceptible to the long ball, something that a lot of pitchers are. I just remember the fourth player. So these are the guys that have that are leaving. You've got you've got um, AJ Cole. You have Danny Salazar. You have Cody Anderson, and you've got Tyler Olson. Those four pitchers have all opted out or been released by the Cleveland Indians. So those are guys that will not be returning. Danny Salazar, obviously, pretty sad story. Couldn't get back from injury. Got back, pitched four innings, and was re-injured. He was out. I'm pretty interested in seeing how this rotation ends up shaping up. Will Corey Kluber return to his ace form. If you remember at the beginning of the year, he was not pitching like an ace. He kept giving up runs left and right. So hopefully he can return to the form that he had before his injury struck him before this year. In general, we'll hope and see what Kluber does. Obviously, Bieber and Clevenger, I believe fully that they're going to go back and do this stuff. Again, Mike Freeman as well. He is the utility guy. He'll likely return as the utility guy. I don't see why they wouldn't bring him back after the underratedly good season he had. We're going to look at some StatCast metrics now, and we're going to say who had the best season in terms of StatCast metrics, StatCast, StatCast uh, comparisons. We're going to look at batted balls, who people who hit the ball in place play the most. Lindor hit 507 balls in play, which led the Indians. Carlos Santana, 467 by a huge margin. Ignacio Puy, 426, but half of that is with Cincinnati Reds. Ramirez was at 414 if you look at the worst. Bradley Zimmer hit six balls into play this year. Obviously had like no plate appearances. Eric Haas hit eight. Andrew Velasquez hit 10. I mean, yeah. So you look at the top guys and the bottom guys. Pretty impressive year for Lindor, obviously. Barrels. Barrels are balls hit, I believe, over 106 miles per hour. So the more barrels, the better. Those are hard hit balls. Those are balls that get you hits, that get you extra base hits. Franville Reyes led the Indians and the Padres because he split season this year with 51 barrels, 51 hard hit balls. He was really a monster at the plate this year. Carlos Santana, 45. Puig with 41. Francisco Lindor with 38 barrels. So those are the guys that led with hard hit balls. And surprisingly, Roberto Perez hit 30 balls over 106. I believe it's 106 or 107 miles per hour this year, which is not who I expected. He's ahead of Ramirez, Kipnis, Luplo, Naquin, and Mercado, who only hit 9 to 15. Mercado only hit 15. I'm reading this statistic off of StatCast Baseball Savant, the greatest website in the world. If you guys have not checked that website out, you definitely should. Mercado, 15 barrels, but he still had a great year. Look at the barrel percentage. Highest barrel percentage in the league is pretty correlated. The correlation is pretty similar. 14.8% of the time, Fran Reyes is hitting a ball really hard. I'm going to I'm gonna excuse Eric Haas because he had like 10 plate appearances. So he was barreling the ball up 12.5% of the time. Okay, so Eric Haas is excluded. Perez barrel percentage 11% of the time. Puig 9.6%. Santana 9.6%. Naquin. Bobby Bradley had 
50% barrels, which is pretty surprising considering the fact that he struck out so much and had a pretty bad year for the Cleveland Indians. So, yeah, those are the barrel leaders. Uh, a lot of the guys who had less at-bats will have a higher barrel percentage. Uh, Lindor with 7.5 barrel percentage. Hard hit percentage, which is basically in a similar is, is similar statistic. Um, I think that's over 95 miles per hour. I'm not sure the measurements, but barrels barrels are well squared up hard hit balls. Hard hit, hard hit is less is less hard hit than a barrel. Fran Reyes, 51% of his balls were hard hit balls. Andrew Velasquez also hit 50% at a hard hit percentage. So that's pretty impressive. Andrew Velasquez was another guy that could potentially be in that conversation for utility spots in the future for the Cleveland Indians. Exit velocity, 93 miles per hour. Reyes was atop all these charts with an average exit velocity of 93.3 miles per hour. Um, Bobby Bradley with a 91.9 mile per hour average exit velocity. Santana with a 91.8. Uh, and Lindor with a 90.6. If you look to find where Jason Kipnis was on this list, he was at 86.7 average exit velocity. Ramirez was at 89.1. You'd expect him to have a better batting average than than uh, 255 with that exit velocity but I don't know that's that, that's a pretty unimpressive that's pretty impressive for Ramirez as well pretty good hitters on the Indians this year their offense started off really really cold if you remember their, they had Eric Stamets and Max Moroff playing up the middle on their infield and they had Hanley Ramirez playing first base that was a uh, yeah, Leonis Martin in the outfield. That was a that was a harsh start to the season, and they really really turned it around. Got to give it to the Cleveland Indians. They they gave us a lot of highs and lows this year, but overall it was a pretty fun season to watch with the Cleveland Indians. Those are some Statcast hitting metrics that I like to look at. We can look at a few pitching metrics. Um, we'll just see if I can find a few a few good pitching metrics right here. The pull percentages, that's a pretty interesting one. Look at ground ball percentages. The pitcher that led the team in ground ball percentage, Adam Simper. As I said, he's the double play master. Dan Otero, also another big ground ball guy. He Otero was at 53.2. Uh, Simper was at 56.1. So that's half the pitches that are put in play get ground balls, which is pretty interesting. Weak hit ball percentage. Um, Danny Salazar, funny. In four innings, he did not have have a single weekly hit ball. I don't know what the number is for weak hit ball, but the percentage is if you hit a ball really weakly, um I gotta get these numbers for you. I apologize. These are these are stats that would be put in better context if I did have the numbers right now. But a weekly hit ball is a weekly hit ball. Game James Karinchak had the highest weak hit ball percentage on the team. Cody Anderson in his limited his limited appearances had a fourteen point three weak hit ball percentage and Corey Kluber with an eight point oh weak hit ball Percentage. You'd be surprised by some of the guys that are up on this list in terms of interesting statistics. Um, okay, we're going to move on right now. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland Indians' top prospects and who can make an impact next year. I already began to talk about the four guys, two of which are still, three of which, two of which, three of which, three of which are still prospects. It's Christian Royal, Yu Chang, and uh, Mark Mathias. Mark Mathias, I don't think, is even ranked in the Cleveland Indians top 30 prospects at this point I'm just going to make sure of that now I do have them out in front of me yeah Mark Mathias doesn't seem to be ranked in these prospects but he still has a chance to compete for the position that third base position next year I think it will go to Yu Chang who's the 11th ranked Cleveland Indians prospects per MLB pipeline 
right now. He can help the team last year. He was up in the majors for a little bit this year, and he did a pretty good job. But ultimately, I think who's going to help the team most is Nolan Jones, their number one prospect, playing for the AA Akron Rubber Ducks right now. He's got an insane hit tool. He's got great contact ability. He walks a lot. He's got above-average defense at third. We'll see if he comes up at some point next year. I really hope he will. He could be a big help to this ball club if they decide to go with internal options. And even if they don't, he could be a pretty interesting September call-up next year. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting battle to see at third base. I think it's going to go to Yu Chang if they don't get a free agent. But Nolan Jones will make an impact later down the line. Other prospects, Tristan McKenzie has to be added to the 40-man roster this year, which means he'll likely get a chance, if he returns healthy, to pitch in Akron and in Columbus, and hopefully maybe pitch for the Cleveland Indians. He did not pitch a single game this year, spent the whole year out on injury, and uh, and pretty disappointing season for him, but maybe next year will be a redemption for him. I don't see it happening, and if he does come up, it'll be for the bullpen, which could help the bullpen maybe down the line, but we'll see what happens with Tristan McKenzie. We have to see him pitch before we can make any indication on what he's going to do. Tyler Freeman, he's pretty far up, but he's a good shortstop prospect. Logan Allen could either be part of the starting rotation, be part of the bullpen. He's widely regarded as one of the top left-handed pitchers in in the prospect pipeline right now. If I remember correctly, he is in the top 100 list or somewhere close in the top 100 list of prospects. A lot of... Um, a lot of entities rank him in the top 100 prospects. Bo Naylor is far away. Jorge Valera is far away. Bobby Bradley had a bad year this year, but he could maybe come up in September and really help this team up. He's on the 40-man, so they're going to protect him. We'll see what happens with Bobby Bradley. He was obviously really, really bad last year, but but maybe this year will be a change for Bobby Bradley. Maybe He always struggles, really, when he comes up. To a different level. He did it when he came up all the way from single A, struggled in double A, and struggled in triple A, came back up this next year, and did a really, really good job. So hopefully Bobby Bradley will be the same in the major leagues and become the power hitting guy that everyone wants him to be. DJ Johnson, Daniel Johnson, he is also needed to be added to the 40-man roster. He had a great year, split between double A Akron and Triple A Columbus last year and he should be on the 40 man next year maybe competing for an opening day outfield spot though that seems pretty unlikely kai tom who's not even ranked has also put himself into the mix i think he finished with between double a and triple a 297 batting average with a lot of home runs and was actually the governor's cup playoff mvp for his dominant performance hopefully we'll see him get to compete i don't think he'll make any roster or the 40 man roster next year but we'll see him definitely at least in Columbus as a full-time starter next year and maybe in the majors in less time than you'd think for the pitching wise you there's a lot of guys that you can maybe stick in James Karinchak almost 100% is going to be a part of that bullpen Mr. Strikeout as I mentioned earlier he'll likely be there Scott Moss acquired from the Reds he could also have a chance to come up Logan Allen as I've already discussed there's a lot of depth in this Indians farm system a lot of guys just have to come up to the major leagues and do what Oscar Mercado did which is be the same type of guy that you were in the minor leagues don't be like Bobby Bradley don't be like Yu Chang when they came up and struggled be yourself be the player that you were in the minor leagues and come up and make a big impact if the guys who are making such an impact on the minor leagues can come up and make an impact on the indians i do think they'll reach the postseason next year i think the next year indians is very contingent on the fact that their minor leaguers perform if they perform i think you'll see them in the postseason if they don't perform sadly i don't think the indians will make the postseason i just don't see how they could be the juggernaut like the twins without phenomenal performances from their minor leaguers Okay.
that is the State of the Indians Address. State of the Indians Address Part 2. It will be officially out by the time you're listening to this, obviously. I hope you guys enjoyed fan suggestions. Send them in to worldofbaseballpodcast at gmail.com. We've got one coming up in two weeks. Get excited for that. This is State of the Indians Address, World of Baseball Podcast. Ben Sion Gisser signing out.